Do, 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 do. Nice. Hey, I'm Alan Girding with Tuesday Night Podcast, obviously, but I'm not here with SBJ, the usual host. No, this is part of the Holiday Spectacular, and Sean's not with me either. Again, he's dead. He was murdered on his way to Hateful Eight, Tarantino style. I don't know why I'm doing this. So anyway, this is really special, though, because I have personal hero, as lame as that may sound. Especially, I don't make Really? Yeah, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm here with Michael Fox. I know who you are, but for those listeners that I have, maybe they don't. So let's start with that. Let's do the virtual business cards. Introduce yourself and who the crap are you? Hello, darling. I am Michael J. Fox. Not that one, the other one. I am that guy whose voice a lot of people know because of podcasts and videos and stuff. I'm also that guy that works for Game Salute, the great Satan. That guy. That guy. Basically, yeah, on my business card, it would say, Michael Fox, that guy. <laughs> I know you first from the Little Metal Dog Show, which, I hate to admit this, first podcast I ever listened to. Really? God, yes. you, could, you could have started in so many better places. I was into game design, and one of the guys in our playtest group, he said, Oh, you guys should totally check out the Little Metal Dog Show. It's totally great for game designers because he just interviews game designers. Mm. And then, after listening to it and falling in love with it, subscribing to it, of course, I started doing Kickstarter videos for people. I'm Alan Gearding, but me crew calls me Captain Chessbeard. And so are you, though. You're all over Kickstarter. You were doing voiceovers for so many Kickstarter <laughs> campaigns. Oh my goodness, look at this. A, a little kinship going on. And then we came out with Two Rooms and a Boom. And I, of course, said, Michael Vox, gotta contact Michael Vox. See if we can get on a little metal dog show. So for me, it was a huge and wild, <laughs> fantastic journey when I actually got interviewed by the Michael J. Fox. Bless you, sir. You flatter me with your insane, ridiculous levels of praise. When I did that interview with you, and I'd done mm. interviews before, and I've met celebrities before too, like Bruce Campbell, because my brother always exhibited at the E3, which is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Mm -hmm. Because I go to E3 as an exhibitor every year, I got to meet a whole bunch of celebrities that companies would hire to pimp their video games. Mm. Mr. T pitied me, that kind of stuff. And I was never really nervous, but here's the thing, so nervous when we were doing the interview in the Little Metal Dog Show. And my wife asked, why? why? Yeah, and you did too. Like, why? It's totally different because the other celebrities you see on the big screen and they're just, I don't know, for you, there was more of this personal bringing mm. you into the living room every time you'd come out with an episode. It was just weird how it was such a big part of my game design and a big part of how I learned how to make games was listening to the Little Metal Dog Show. So it was crazy that I was like, oh my goodness, I don't want to blow this because this is the only podcast that I've ever listened to. And that sounds really harsh because we did a lot of interviews with a whole bunch of different podcasts, but yours was the only one I legit listened to. So 
nervous. Ah, man. Dude, there's nothing to be nervous about. I'm just some gobshite who at that point was on the other side of the Atlantic and just really likes talking to people. It's it's wonderful and lovely that you're so sort of effusive and uh, supportive of, of, of my previous and soon-to-be-again future project. Super excited about that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I get that a lot. Some people to, some people come up to me after, you know, they've been on the show and like, say, man, I, I was really, really worried there. And I, I suppose I can see a little bit where they come from because I have that as well. You know, I, I, I speak to people who have been making games their whole lives, have been publishing stuff their whole lives, or hell, you know, they've been on TV and all this going, wow, you're that dude off that thing. And it can, it can be a bit nerve-wracking. But then you bump into people, self-same people at conventions or whatever, and it's just like, oh yeah, you're that dude, awesome. Let's go get a beer or let's go get some coffee or whatever. And yeah, it's it's, it's quite a lovely thing. But I, I, I've said it on um, on several shows that the, the whole thing about gaming is the, the games really are just a conduit for the people to hang out and interact. And really, the Little Metal Dog show is an extension of that. It just lets me hang out and interact with people on a more long-form basis and then other people get to sort of listen in on that conversation I suppose it's a lovely thing and I'm very very lucky indeed I'm there that all games are is this facilitation of allowing people to get together to have some fun exactly you live in America now, don't you? I do. I live in, I would say, sunny New Hampshire. Um, looking out the window, it's... What time are we It's like 5.30 now. It's pitch black, and the, the the roads are covered in the the remnants of a snowstorm we had a few days ago. Yeah, my first American snowstorm. Good God, that was awful. That was a thing. Let's see how good I am. Based upon your accent, I yes. think you're originally from... Uh, Mexico City, Mexico. Yeah, spot on. No, I have family from Birmingham. I would say you're closer to the northern side than the southern side, though. Ah, well, there you go, because I spent most of my life living uh, just outside London. I was born in Ireland. Oh, really? I had my accent beaten out of me at school. Wow. Because small children, small children don't speak like this, you know. When you're when you're living in in London, they don't speak like that. So eventually, you kind of learn to talk properly. Although now, apparently, I just sound like the poshest man alive. Apparently, I should work for the BBC. It's your money maker. That's it. It's all about that. Uh, yeah, that, that's why for one year I was just on every Kickstarter video ever. That was weird. But yeah, then I lived <laughs> in Manchester in the north of England for a good ten years before um, moving to Australia, then back to the south of England, and now. New Hampshire, which is strange and interesting. Welcome to America. It's so it okay. So it's not really that America, is it? It's basically just it is basically just like a slightly weird amalgam of the United States and the United Kingdom. I can totally see that. I've enjoyed my trips to the UK. I really found interesting is people's perceptions of America different on where they go. There's some tropes that will be true no matter where you go. Yeah, there's a big difference between Ohio and even. Florida, we'll say. Or- yeah, I mean, I've spent time. I spent time in California. I spent time in Texas. I've spent time up here in uh, New Hampshire, and there are things, of course, that link. You know, th- there are, there's a Starbucks on every bloody corner. There's a mall around. You know, a mall in every town. You know, that's going to be the same wherever you go. But then there are weird idiosyncrasies between the three different places like the obsession with barbecue down in texas and the fact that everybody wears a giant hat in texas and so that's me being spectacular you know tarring everybody with the same hat shaped brush what brought you to new hampshire work 
what kind of works. So let's go through the history of you in the gaming industry, starting with mm. what brought you gaming. What's your first love? Because this is a question that you would ask on the Little Metal Dog show all the time. It's true. It's it's, it's a good it's a good it icebreaker. Um, I suppose the first game that really I enjoyed a lot as a kid was probably Hero Quest. Hero Quest, deep inside another dimension, face battling barbarians and evil magic. No, shut up. That's my answer. Well, yeah, it's the game that I really, really loved, and the good thing is I could play it on my own as well. You know, I made up my own single-player rules for it because my brother was just that little bit too young to play with me when I had it. And then by the time he got old enough to play games, I'd moved on to video games a lot more, so he then got into video games, so he kind of missed out on that whole tabletop thing. But for me, yeah, it was very much a, right, I'm now going to sit down and I'm going to develop this sort of weird single-player adventure and then I'm going to play through it. And I would do that happily for, you know, hours and hours at a time. All by yourself. Mm -hmm. Just mental masturbation, just you and a board game. Yep. (laughs) Wow. Of course, course, you know, I was only like eight or nine, so I didn't know what masturbation was. You know, that came later. Uh, As did I. (laughs) (laughs) It was cool because then as time went on, I, I basically didn't play games for a very, very, very long time until one day I saw like, I must have been sort of like 23, 24, maybe 25. I was just wandering through my town, you know, the town I was living in and a tiny little game shop just opened up and I'd sort of, I figured I'd pop it, pop my head in and see, you know, how, what kind of things were on offer and 20 minutes later I'd walked out with a copy of Ticket to Ride Alan Moon yeah it all went all went wrong from there basically quick question have you been Mm. to the gathering of friends I have not. I don't even know if I'd be allowed to get an invite to that thing. Because you have to be invited, don't you? I've been invited and I haven't gone because because of my real life job. But you know what? If that invitation still stands, I'd probably jump all over it now. (laughs) Yeah. For those who don't know, the Gathering of Friends is basically this Illuminati party of board gamers where it started with Alan Moon, from my understanding, and Mm -hmm. a couple of friends. And then the rule is every year, everyone who has gone can invite a person so it exponentially has grown yeah alan's still at the top of the tree i believe he sort of like he rules it with a, an iron fist and a velvet glove kind of thing so he I, I think he can uh he can veto certain invitations that kind of thing but yeah it's certainly it, it's, it's an event i'd love to go to today i've been recording an episode of my uh youtube series the score and i've been doing a thing nice. uh, about uh new year's resolutions that gamers should have uh one of which is everybody should go to at least one gaming event so like a convention or whatever it's basically socialization in the extreme which is fantastic but gathering of friends is one that i'd love to go to because if somebody dropped a bomb on that building on on a certain weekend that's basically the entire gaming industry would be sort of like set back 30 years it would be um it would be quite the quite the gaming disaster we'd have to rely on all these untested new game designers God, what do you want to do with them? God, freaking noobs. So let's go on with the story. When did Mm. you crescendo into actually getting some type of gaming interaction that could be on your resume? Yeah, let's go back six Um, years. So yeah, basically I was... I was working as a school teacher, like elementary school teacher or primary school teacher if you live in the UK. I was basically a bit bored one day, and I, I've, been, I've been doing I've been doing a video games podcast called Joypod for many years, like a good sort of like three four years before that, uh, which was myself. 
a friend of mine called David and another guy called Sean and we had other people who joined in as well a guy called Farley another guy called Matt but basically we would, we would just talk about the video games we've been playing and essentially just dick around for a couple of hours every week and then I, I started playing more board games and the video games not died away but they certainly you know I, I certainly spent a lot less time playing video games and a lot more time huddled around a table throwing dice at people you know a couple of evenings a week going down to the local games club playing there I, I wanted to move a little bit further into doing a show I didn't know what it was going to be at that point even at that time there were plenty of review shows around there were plenty of people writing you know reviews on on blogs left right and center I, I, I looked back at the stuff that I, I really, really enjoyed, the stuff that I would like to listen to. And when I was at university, I studied television and radio technical engineering. I specialized in doing radio. And as such, I decided, okay, so let's do a podcast of our own. For me, it's all about the stories. I like the stories behind the game. I like the stories from the people. You know, how did you come up with this game? How did you, you know, what led you to develop it? Where did the ideas come from? Yeah. And for me, that that was like a, a really nice jumping off point. So I put together a couple of interviews, one with a friend of mine from Scotland called Zib. And uh, I think the first one was with one of the designers of a game called Warheads. So there were like two uh, two interviews on the first episode. And I remember putting it together and it took me a about 10 hours to do that first episode of the show just editing it because i was stupid because right. i was editing out all of the ums and all of the ahs and it just it which, it which did I've not sound doing. right oh <laughs> uh, well you, you know so it, it works if, if you if, if you've you got the time, the time to do it i don't have the time it's my holiday break but don't let me slow your mojo <laughs> down this is why svj is normally our editor he's just on holiday break right now so mm. I just wanted to step up and do some holiday spectaculars. That's all good. I thought that's what it should be. I, I thought it needed to be this like this clean, pristine product. And as time went on, I kind of realized that content is king. It doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to have me sitting there scrubbing every single sigh, every single intake of breath. It just, it needs to be, and this isn't belittling the stuff that it did in the past, it needs to be good enough. If I'm happy with it going out, then that's great. And if other people who were listening to it were happy with it, and hell, there were thousands and thousands of people who were listening to it, fantastic all the better. And as time progressed, I, I got to interview some really, really fantastic people, some lovely people, including yourself. And I, I, I had Richard Garfield on the show. That was bloody awesome. Mm. Uh, you know, then I get to like wander around conventions with a microphone in my hand, talking to people and wandering up to folks. It, it's, it's lovely. It's, it's a highly privileged thing. Bringing it all the way back around to Little Metal Dog again, doing it as a podcast and talking to people gives me an outlet to find more stories to, to talk to people and to be a little part of this industry but it also gives other people the opportunity to spread those stories and to disseminate those memories yet further and that listening back to what i've just said makes it sound really wanky but to me that's important to me that's it, it, it's a big thing
So Little Metal Dog eventually got picked up by the Dice Tower. How did that go about? And I'm so confident that our show, the Tuesday Night Podcast, is never in danger of getting picked up by the Dice Tower <laughs> because of that explicit label for one thing. Okay, so uh, number one, the explicit label, I, I, it should be worn as a badge of honor. Words are just words. Swearing is, a, is it's a, it, you know, it's an evocative thing. You can't, you know, you can't say this game is, you know, this game is great. That just sounds wussy when you say, you know, compare it to this game is a fucking marvelous thing. <laughs> it just gives it a bit more power. Explicitness is 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 all good in my hood. And now it's time for another Dice Tower review with Tom Vassell. Yeah, the Dice Tower. Um, basically, I got an email one day from Tom after doing an interview with them. I had Eric and Tom on the show. Tom Vassell, Eric Summer. Yeah, just doing a little bit of a, um, you know, to, again, tell us the story of the Dice Tower. You guys, you know, they'd been around for what felt like the beginning of time, and I, I thought it would be prudent to, like, get them on. I suppose in the back of my mind as well, I thought a little bit that it was, you know, if they mention my show on their show there might be some more people who come over totally poaching listeners why, why not try and build up your audience however you can and then i got an email a little while after saying we're doing this thing called the dice tower network would you be interested in coming and joining it and i went well yeah okay you know cross promotion is always a nice thing um so who am i to refuse yeah all of a sudden i was i was part of that little niche for a while uh, no longer but there isn't a juicy story there to share at all no not really i just didn't feel like it was oh so you walked away let's be yeah. clear let's be clear dice tower yeah i you know michael fox walked away not the other way around no yeah i, I just i just didn't think that it was it was the right place for the show to be to be going on and 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 you just wanted the explicit label that's all you had to say i do like the explicit <laughs> label i saying that little my dog show was never never had the explicit label no no it's been clean as a baby's butt i always behaved very 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 well i suppose that's because because I, I did radio a bit when i was younger i've always managed to have the switch in my head where i can switch off swearing if needs be but yeah there's no sort of like massive salaciousness going no, on there. No, I, I mean i knew there wouldn't be i know a lot of people have joined onto the network and and several people have, have pulled away from it as well yes yeah you know what it's like sometimes something it's like a shirt it just doesn't fit ever so slightly right and for me it just it it just felt a little bit constricting, and I don't know why. Is there a list of bylaws that they give you? Like, you are now part of the Dice Tower Network. You keep doing what you're doing, but always remember these guidelines and never stray from them. There are guide. Well, there were guidelines when I was when I was first indoctrinated, as it were. <laughs> Makes it sound like a cult, doesn't it? But yeah, no, there, there, there are a list of guidelines. Basically, it's like, you know, no explicit tags, that kind of thing. Um, make sure that the focus is on games, that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, well. So yeah, we'd be fucked. Yeah, um, there's no way I could do that. <laughs> We've talked about religion and homosexuality. We're planning on talking about gun control next. Not really. We don't plan on these things, but as soon as we hear something, it's, it's unnatural to be like, oh, let's just brush past that and keep talking about whatever we're talking about. Yeah, never, never fear talking about anything. Fearing about talking about a subject leads to the dark side as it were right because when you, you have that explicit label like our podcast does and i'm self-promoting a little bit i think of it as almost a quality label of honor not that hey we go out of our way to swear a ton mm. it's just so you know we don't filter that way anyone who comes on like you for instance say whatever you want it's totally mm -hmm. wherever you want to take it so i can see that got to talk about games can't be explicit 
It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're simple stuff. It, it, it's stuff that you would expect. Fair play. You know, I, I bumped into the guys again at BGG.com this year, and I get on fine with them, and that's 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 grand. There's no animosity. There's no hateful rage. It's all good. What happened next? I want to know if GameSloop came next. I Okay, so I was working for another company. To tell you the truth, I cannot for the life of me remember what they were called. But essentially, I, it was a little bit of freelance management in the in the very early days of Kickstarter. So it's like, oh, we can help you run this campaign or whatever. I ran a couple of campaigns and it was they, they went okay. And then I figured, well, I have these game ideas in my head and I'd really like to get them out. And on top of that, I have my awesome and wonderful wife, Steph, who is sitting on the couch over in the other room. Um, so she said, all right, I'll do the pictures. You do everything else and let's make some games. So inexplicably we did um so yeah we did uh fox and chicken rethemed werewolf adorable we had a lot of fun playing that yeah everybody everybody else was doing it everybody else was doing the werewolf thing at the time so we figured we'd get on the bandwagon i honestly think we've probably got one of the best versions yeah, though because it's the fucking cutest thing on earth we did a game with jason katarski called frog flip which was designed by him and his uh, his awesome little daughter we did uh of mice and lemmings with uh, scott alms uh, also of uh, Tiny Epic Kingdoms, Defenders, Galaxies, yeah. and soon-to-be Tiny Epic Western fame. Yeah, that had some hidden role to it as well. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it was never a, we, we're going to make an absolute bloody fortune out of this, and I promise you we've made absolutely nothing out of any of those games. Because they came in pouches as well. Yeah, we did. We wanted them to be a little bit different, so they came as sort of like little bags, like little bags with a giant badge on the front of it, to make them stand out a little bit. Of course, that means that they were nigh and impossible to sell in, to sell in stores or whatever. But, right. Yeah such is life in your mind did you know you were never going the distribution route to be honest it was more of a can we make a game can we take it from an idea all the way through to actually sending them out and having people play it one of life's great experiments yeah it's essentially that's that's pretty much what it was it was a glorious experiment to see if we would be able to do it and we did it three times you know we in all honesty yes we we in, we actually lost money on all three projects but not massive amounts wow and to be honest the fun and the enjoyment that we we got from doing them probably makes up for the the fact that our bank balances were a little bit in the red yeah i mean we wouldn't have we wouldn't have done them if if it meant we were going to like lose our house that's that sort of thing but it was worth to bring something into the world yeah yeah making a game is 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 almost a selfish endeavor because it is leaving a little bit of a, a, a legacy a little bit of a mark on the world they're your children yeah and until I have small people of my own, those little creations are, you know, they're still sitting in people's game collections around the world. And it's it, it's great to hear when people still, you know, people still email me saying, hey, are you gonna guys going to do another game? Are you guys going to put something else out? Or, you know, can I get a copy of Fox and Chicken? Uh, what are the answers to those questions, though? What are, Is there going to be another game? What's going on with Sprocket Games? It's it's kind of who knows at the minute because obviously my my day job is with is with uh, Game Salute at the moment. Which brings us to the next chapter of this holiday spectacular interview. Let's talk about Game Salute. So yeah, like I was saying, the around the same sort of time as we started doing Sprocket Game stuff, I got. 
uh, an email from Game Salute saying, would you like to, again, essentially just sort of like do freelance management? So obviously because they were, you know, they were based in the States, I was based in Europe. It was a lot easier for me to be sort of on, on board for them when they were sleeping or when the offices were closed, essentially. When you say Game Salute, do you mean Dan Yarrington? Yeah. At the time, it was uh, essentially Dan and uh, Dave McKenzie, who was at that point Clever Mojo Games, publishers of Alien Frontiers, which of course now Game Salute does. The guys got in touch with me and said, you know, would you be interested in helping us out? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? It was another string to my bow, as it were. I ran a couple of campaigns, and then as time went on, um, you know, if they wanted somebody to put a video together, I could do that. If they wanted somebody to just do a voiceover, I'd happily provide it. If they just needed somebody to babysit a campaign overnight and answer questions then you know I, I would I would do that too so that was pretty cool as time went on like I said sort of medical issues sort of rose up um, I have a nasty spinal deficiency let's put it that way <laughs> Uh, I have a degenerative spinal disorder, um, which means that the the gloopy bits in my back are turning uh, from gloopiness to non-gloopy, let's put it that way. So nerves get trapped and it's pretty painful. You'll get nothing but empathy and amazement from me on that issue. You're talking to a guy who's had herniated disc problems that has been debilitating to the point where why is my leg asleep all of a sudden? Oh, it's because I have a pinched nerve. So yeah, I, I know this is so <laughs> such just a small glimpse into what you're what you're dealing with. So. Yeah, at this point of recording, I can't feel my right foot. Oh my so is there a name for this? Uh, yeah, a degenerative disc disorder. Wow, it's that simple. Just nothing fancy or Latin. Just degenerative yeah. disc disorder. Which I, I like to shorten to 3D because it's one of the most brutal moves in wrestling. So if, if you don't mind, take us back. When did you even start noticing? Was it all of a sudden you woke up? Or is this a progressive thing that crescendoed into where you are now? In all honesty, it, it started a very long time ago because it's a congenital thing. So it's been happening slowly for years and years and years. When I was growing up, I suffered uh, from a lot of what they would they then referred to just as oh they're just growing pains it's you know you're growing it happens people hurt when they grow up and they were sort of like still going on into my 20s so at that point i went okay i need to go and talk to a doctor about this and so they just looked at me and said look we're fine there's nothing wrong with you you're okay six months later i'd go back and i've, I've hurt my back again it really really sore six months later you go back again and Eventually, they would start, you know, the doctors would listen. and they say, okay, so you can go and do some physiotherapy. And that didn't help. Eventually, we got to, let's say, two years ago. By that point, it was almost too late. When you say too late, was there some type of intervention they could have done? Yeah, essentially. Um, if, if, if they had sort of picked up on it, investigated a little bit further, maybe some sort of like five, six years ago, they could have stopped the degeneration. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't be uh, this far away from being a crippled Egypt. Are you saying you're at the point of no return now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here, I got to see a specialist. You know you know how everybody's got a guy? This is the, he, he's, the, he's the back guy. <laughs> he's the New England back guy. And I went to see him last week. And he basically said, literally, there is nothing we can do.
this this thing this thing this thing all, all of these um, all of these things are going to turn to essentially stone over the next few years and you are going to be in a lot of pain for a long time I said how long he goes well how long do you plan on living She was like, okay, you're that kind of doctor. Well, thank goodness you're laughing about it. How long ago was that? Uh, That was last week. Oh, man. Happy New Year. God damn it. Jesus. It's a bit bald. I mean, okay, so I... So what's the prognosis? He said a lifetime of pain, but what does it actually look like? There you go. Lifetime of pain. (laughs) That's it. I... So we're Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. I heard ramblings of a wheelchair. Yeah, eventually that's probably going to be in my my not too distant future. It's not going to be a permanent thing, you know. I'm, I'm not going to be in it all the time, and hopefully it's a it's it's a bit further down the line. Is this because uh, sitting down feels more comfortable than standing up? Is this because it just hurts too much to walk? Uh, standing is horribly painful. But no, okay, so the idea is, while there's no surgical option for me, there is a, a specialist back physiotherapist up at this hospital that's like two hours away. So while it won't be able to stop the degeneration, they're hoping that it'll give me a bit more freedom of movement. And that combined with what's probably going to be a reasonably heavy medical regime will hopefully keep me out of the chair for as long as possible but okay there's no point me being annoyed or pissed off about it i mean yeah it would have been great if they'd have fixed it when the the problems really started showing up x amount of years ago but what does that anger get you yeah what's the point man so i'd sooner throw the energy and the anger that i would waste on you know sitting here going oh poor me woe is me i'd sooner throw that into doing something completely different even if that's something daft like sitting down and playing video games with my wife. I was going to say, at a feeble attempt to, I don't know, make you feel better, I guess to give you some praise too, is at least you're not a pro basketball player. True, I suck at basketball. I know you as a gamer. At least there's some saving grace in that. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to it's not gonna stop me from being able to freaking, you know, pick up a meeple. I mean, then they ain't heavy. And it's not going to stop me from, from producing weird audio and video shows because nothing should stop you from doing anything. But yeah, nothing's going to stop me from being creative. Nothing's going to stop me from doing my job. Nothing's going to stop me from going to conventions. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of embracing the things you love, let's get back to your love for Game Salute, because you're currently working there. Mm-hmm. You did some odds and ends for them. And I remember reading some Kickstarter update from Game Salute randomly, because I'm addicted to Kickstarter. I've backed, I think, over 700 projects at this point. It's, it's mm. bad. But I remember seeing Michael Fox at the bottom of it. And I remember thinking, damn it, too many people have that name, because <laughs> now there's another Michael Fox writing for Game Salute. I'm checking it out. I realize, wait a second, this is the same Michael Fox. And at that point, you, I assume, totally working for Game Salute, and now your resume is Game Salute employee. Yeah, so essentially things progressed. I was working, it, 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 I was essentially just just doing service stuff, sitting in sitting over there in, in, my, in my living room in the UK, just answering emails, because, you know, you can log into emails from wherever you are on Earth. And and all of a sudden, I got the sort of email saying, would you like to come over here? 
things sort of all came together in that the, uh, the the landlord of our house decided to sell the house so we couldn't renew a place. So the fairies of fate were just sprinkling their shit everywhere to get you to America. Yes, smearing sense. all over the walls. And I did a couple of events over in Europe with Dan. So I went to Nuremberg with him just to hang out, kind of hang out. I suppose that was essentially my interview, which was quite cool because, you know, we were talking to loads of different games companies about potentially, you know, co-publishing, that kind of stuff. He said, we'd really like it if you guys wanted to, you know, if you guys came over here, you properly worked for us full time because officially I was a freelance uh, freelance agent then i suppose so we went all right the the usual thing what is life without adventure and boom eight months later after an awful lot of paperwork and visiting the american embassy we now have an apartment here in uh, in new hampshire and it's pretty cool do you have your own car yet we do it even has a number plate with the word games written on it nice <laughs> Let's get to something perhaps meaty, perhaps not. Some listeners may not know GameSloop. I'd like to hear why is it some people say, oh, GameSloop? Yeah, they're the devil. We've always been very honest about the fact that we bit off an awful lot more than we could chew. Yeah, for a while, we we were ludicrous. It was basically, all right, every second week, let's put another project up. Thankfully, as time has, has gone on, we've... Oh, okay, so our outlook has changed an awful lot. We've got an awful lot of new staff in. We've got new people, including myself, who are now full-time at the company. And our focus very much now is all of those projects, we need to finish them. And we need to finish them now. I believe, including Story Realms, I think there are five maybe six projects that are still, let's call them like super late projects. So I'm talking about stuff like Legends of the American Frontier, uh, stuff like Dungeon Scroll, stuff like Sangoku. And, you know, these are three great games in their own right, but very, very different. So, you know, Legends of the American Frontier, designed by Richard Launius, um, it's a, a sort of a heavy storytelling adventure game. From Richard Lanius, heavy storytelling? I don't believe it. I know. Who'd have thunk it? Dungeon Scroll, essentially a tabletop version of uh, a really popular app that's sort of like all about making, you know, spelling words out to make magical spells, that kind of thing. Um, they're, you know, they're very different games, but they're coming. The good thing is, you know, we, we got the advanced copy, you know, the first box off the line. Those arrived a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the first sort of cases of those arrived as well. So we're going to be delivering them in the next few weeks. Finally, you know, this backlog, this albatross that's been around our shoulders, it's going to be allowed to fly away. We'll get to focus on those last couple of projects. We'll get to focus on the the last bits of story realms that will eventually, when that comes out later this year, we hope, that'll be the last one. Any of the hate or vitriol that you've been getting has been surrounding this reputation for starting projects that are incomplete. Is that fair to say? <sighs> I think the idea was when they were launched, it would be, it was like, yeah, this is fine. We'll be able to do this project. We'll be able to turn it around quite quickly and we'll be able to get it onto people's, you know, onto people's tables in, 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 in a decent amount of time. And then there are issues and you've been through this. You've been through this ringer yourself. What? Do not bring me into this. You're absolutely right. I know you're the horrors that you guys went through with the printers, man. Those <laughs> yeah. were. 
it was pretty bad. The, the, the cool thing is, though, Two Rooms and a Boom turned out to be such a fantastic product in the end. It's a beautiful thing. Thanks. And I saw you guys go through those tough and testing times knowing exactly what it felt like. Okay, so, so you, you go to printer A. And you say, okay, this is this is what you, we want you to do. And it doesn't matter what printer you show up to. They'll always go, we can do that. Not a problem. And then you put your trust and your faith in those printers. And all of a sudden, we can't do that. This is what we can do. Is that good enough? And you've essentially invested like, you know, two and a half, three months or whatever in them, waiting for them to come back to you. Yeah, it was actually more than that for us. But yeah. Yeah, I know. You, yeah, you guys, you, I mean, there were there were like periods of like, you know, four, five, six months for you guys where it was just like, holy crap, what are we doing? We talked about this before. The, the harshest thing was it was such a blow to us because no one wanted this game out more than Sean and myself. And now it's even later than we wanted because of the printer snafus. And we have to now tell our backers this. I got threats. Have you received any threats from anyone? I've had two death threats in the last year. I'm hoping for less in 2016. Wow. Yeah. And, and then, but then you sort of like sit back and go, this is over a board game. It's just like, yeah, you've invested money in it. And yes, you you really want the game to arrive. But for the love of God, you don't need to go around and say that you're going to come around my house and kill me. That's just unnecessary. And it makes you look like a dick. <laughs> but it happens so much. And I, yes, criticize, yes, ask, yes, be angry if you want to, but before you press send or before you, you know, you post that post, think about would you shout that into somebody's face if you were sitting across a table from them? I don't know. I'd like to see 2016 to have a little bit more consideration. And I know that there are going to be people listening to this saying, well, you should probably have some more consideration for the people who, who provide you with money to get the to get these things done. And we know that. Believe me, I spend every day reading comments on many and various Kickstarters. The idea with our campaigns now is when we have a piece of news, whether it's good news or bad news, we will post it. But no speculation. No, oh, we should get this in a few weeks' time. No, we hope that this will arrive by this time. Only deal in the facts, because it makes life so much fucking easier. And if that disappoints people, yeah, in all honesty, yeah, it's probably going to piss some people off because it's, oh, well, when can we expect to get this game? I don't know, because there's no worse phrase in the world than I don't know. But in the world of customer service, I don't know is just such a, because it annoys the shit out of people. It always does. It annoys me. And I'm the person who has to fucking type it half the time. So deal with the facts. From here on in, you're going to see a very, very different game suit. You've already seen it in, in certain things, but you're going to see a very different game suit from here on, wherein it's, this is exactly what's going to happen. This is, these are the facts. This is what's occurring. If you like that, fantastic. We'd love to have you along for the journey. If you don't like that, that's fine. We're not putting a bullet, you know, a gun to your head to say, you need to give us your money to make this game. 
it can be a very weird like i mean so we haven't even said what really what my job is at game salute um i am the customer service manager that sounds very glamorous and lovely essentially i'm the dude who does all the emails i mean, okay so it, it's weird one email will say michael thank you so much you got me this replacement part that you, you said you were going to get sent out it arrived two days later you're the best on earth thank you very much i love game salute then the second email after that will be fuck you you ruined my christmas i hate you and i want you to die in a fire which was something I received two days after Christmas. That was fun. Which one am I? What, you know, am I am I the loveliest guy on earth, or am I the great Satan? I don't know. It's very confusing. It's so hard not to take those personal. Exactly, and it, 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 it's an integral part of human nature that you can have a thousand people compliment you, and you can have one people say you're a prick. And when you go to bed that night, the one person you're going to remember is you're a prick, dude. We have learned a lot of lessons. I mean, okay, so the the campaigns that we do now are all internal. They're all games that we are publishing ourselves. Um, we have helped some other people, but we, we are certainly moving away from that kind of vibe now. Very cool. We are out of time, though, because I've taken way much more of your time. Let's hear some shameless plugs for you, because we went on this journey. We got to know more about you. <laughs> We heard about your rise into the gaming community, your backstory, which is, oh, sorry, heartbreaking. And we've heard Game Salute and the Game Salute side of the story, which seems perfectly reasonable, especially if I consider my own adventures in Kickstarter and just expanding that into not just one game, but several. But let's bring it to a close and let's hear some shameless plugs. Uh, well, the easiest thing to do is probably get me on that Twitter, which is at IdleMichael, I-D-L-E-M-I-C-H-A-E-L. -E -E I'm on Facebook as well i'll accept pretty much anyone as a friend as long as they're not an ass hat uh, i went through my monthly cull defriending yeah did, did you do that i purposely have yet to unfriend anybody it's because of this and this is not me trying to change anyone's mind first of all yes i'm that lonely but second of all <laughs> if you get someone who really has a different opinion if i unfriend you it means i will never have the opportunity to change your mind mm. so even though i have friends with very different political views uh, moral views just different approaches to life in general if as strange as it sounds that's more of a reason for me to keep them as friends on facebook just in case the chance arises where we can have a conversation and not an argument and that conversation is where minds can be changed and maybe it's even me maybe i'm the one being the asshat and i don't even know and i would never know if someone just unfriended me until they reached their hand out and said hey you know we should talk about this more because there's been plenty of times in my own personal past where i've realized oh my goodness i've been thinking about this totally wrong mm -hmm. and, and to this day i'm almost embarrassed about it if i hadn't corrected or changed or adapted my behavior so that's why. Now, I'm not trying to change your mind because mm. I see people unfriending all the time, but that's how I treat Facebook. Other people treat Facebook as a safe place and, hey, I, I don't have to deal with this stuff every time I look at my news feed. So I totally understand all the reasons. Oh, yeah. It's very much a... Uh... It, it, it's a last resort. It's like, a, seriously, have you seen the stuff that you're posting? Why are you posting <laughs> this? You present the evidence. It's just like, this is super racist. I don't like it. And they go, what's your problem? And it's just like, okay, well, we can discuss this or I can leave you to it. I'll tell you my viewpoint. And then, yeah, if, if that happens and they come back at me saying, well, there's nothing wrong with this, um, then yeah, then it's time to pull the plug on it, I think. But Deleted. It's yeah. very, very rare. But yeah, sometimes it just has to happen. But yeah, as long as you're not an asshat, everything's good. So yeah, The Little Metal Dog Show will be coming back soon. 
Woohoo! Which is a good thing. Um, that's at littlemetaldog.com, which has been um, somewhat bereft of content over the last couple of months, mainly because I've been working on another project. However, 2016, we'll see more regular stuff going up on the site. So it's going to be at least one review every week. Uh, there will be regular podcasts. I'm aiming for one a month. I know that doesn't sound much, but you know what it's like producing, you know, producing podcasts. It takes a lot longer. We don't just... do. SBJ does. I'm only doing this because oh, between semesters. <laughs> Well, yeah, it takes time, though. But it will be coming back, and, yeah, hopefully we'll be having some very, very cool uh, cool guests coming up, including, I hope, you, because I want to talk to you about your uh, your glorious new project. You're talking about World Championship Russian Roulette? But, of course. <laughs> yes. Anthony happen. Birch, good game. Good game. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be happening. Um, and, of course, the big thing that we're doing at the minute, um, which is both myself and my glorious wife, Steph, uh, we have our YouTube channel which, though small, is picking up a bit of steam. Um, so the channel is Little Metal Television Network, so youtube.com slash C slash Little Metal Television Network. And we've got two shows on there. So one is um, High Score, which is our video games thing, basically me and her playing through video games and chatting rubbish. Sounds amazing. Main show on that is The Score, which is my board games show. So the idea behind it is very much a sort of like a magazine show, I suppose. So it starts off with news, and then there's like a, a feature in the middle, generally a top five. The one on the show that I'm editing at the moment is going to be like the top five res- resolutions for 2016. And then we always have a big Q&A section at the end of the show. Pulls down into about half an hour, all told. I'm proud to say I was the first question in the first you were. episode. But yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's... It's a new project. I'm think I'm, I'm hoping it's something a bit different uh, to most of the stuff that's out there. Because, you know, there's so many people that, who make videos that are, this is my review of the game, and it's a guy with glasses and a beard, hello, like me, standing in front of their board games collection going, this is this game. There's nothing wrong with that, because it's great hearing the opinions of, of everybody about the stuff that they're playing and the stuff that they love, but I wanted to do something that was bite-sized, essentially. <laughs> Um, um. Let's bring it to a close. I'll do my little plugs. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-D-I-N-G. D-I-N-G. I'm on Facebook. As I said, I'm lonely. I'll accept anyone's friend request. <laughs> but I'm also on Twitter, at Alan Gerding. If anyone wants to send us any type of feedback, you can email us at podcast at Tuesday Night Games. That's Tuesday Night Games spelled with a K, as in, I'm a knight, forsooth, nearly, or verily, or... But that's it. Right. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. I, I apologize if I sort of blathered all around the place. Not but, at all. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and it's always awesome catching up with you. Yeah, man. yeah. This is Michael J. Fox, and this episode is... And then you say finished. Finished! <laughs> nice! Thanks, man. <laughs>